1: Welcome to a special bonus episode of Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Tommy Vitor. We went to a healthcare rally in D.C. on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Can we set the scene currently? We're in the Washington Hilton. That's right. We're in a part of the restaurant where we're not allowed to be sitting. They don't (laughs) seem to
2: mind so far.
1: We're just recording this intro a couple days later. Because it's fucking hot outside. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's hot. We're leaving D.C. tomorrow. But anyway. Anyway. So Tommy and I went to this rally on Wednesday. It was outside the Capitol... A couple thousand people there. Yeah, and we just interviewed a bunch of people, and we saw some people who came to tell their stories about healthcare. We saw some doctors that we talked to. Yeah, people just drove down. Some people
2: from Maryland, Virginia, the district, who just came there because they were really worried about the bill and its repeal. And like a bunch of physicians who were talking about what it would mean for the hospitals where they work, what it would mean for them as caregivers
1: yeah. for their families. We um, powerful it was stuff organized by Planned Parenthood MoveOn.org. So anyway. We walked around the rally, and we talked to people. We interviewed them, and we thought maybe you guys would want to hear it. Yeah. And we also met a couple politicians were there, too. Yeah. It was a last minute decision to
2: come here. We thought the vote was going to be this week. We right. wanted to be on the ground and part of any effort to stop the bill. Luckily, McConnell realized he didn't have the votes, uh, and hopefully that will remain that way, and this thing won't pass. But we talked to a bunch of people. We talked to a bunch of senators. It was inspiring stuff. It made me... Feel more energized and ready to get out there. But it, what it really drove home was how important the work is outside of D.C. for the next several weeks during recess to make sure senators realize how much people
1: oppose this god awful bill yeah. uh, and how much the work is ahead of us, not behind us. And I said this on the pod yesterday, but the nice thing about it was, is like I didn't hear Trump's name a lot. No, like for all the people say about like oh the activists are the resistance or angry and this, the people that we saw came there because like their health care meant everything to them and they told really inspiring stories and it was not a game to them at all yeah. like it really mattered and unlike know?
2: Donald Trump they knew exactly what this bill would mean for them for their communities yeah and you'll hear that they care about yeah and you'll hear it and it's really impressive yeah Kyle I'm thinking of a doctor who was a healthcare care expert he was just like citing chapter and verse of what it would mean for gunshot
1: victims and physicians and patients yeah and then we um ran to Chris Murphy ran into Debbie Walsham and Schultz ran into Brian Schatz, yep. his senator from Hawaii. We ran into Jason Kander, our good friend, but his, <laughs> for some reason, the mic wasn't on when we talked to him, so you uh, won't be hearing poor Jason Kander. Sorry, Jason. And then, at the end of the day, we actually went to Michael Bennett's office, senator from Colorado, yep. and we sat down with him. So, you'll be hearing all of this in this episode. And this is our first kind of field reporting episode. We're uh, learning.
2: It's harder than it looks. Let us know. To, uh, <laughs> did you feel, we got yelled at by the cops in the middle of a bunch of interviews. Fine. There were some people with bullhorns that... Uh, that blew up our spot a few times we but went we, up on stage and spoke a little bit yeah i, I <laughs> felt, didn't know that was gonna didn't happen Didn't know that was gonna happen <laughs> um i probably could have done more preparation yeah It's that, so. fine we were wearing shorts and <laughs> yeah we went to the center yourself t-shirt office and shorts which is <laughs> great i guess we're but great. um anyway it was inspiring stuff i'm really glad you guys get to hear it and uh let's all get back out there without further ado here we go when we got to the rally, we ran into a bunch of people with personal stories and personal reasons for being there, including several doctors. The first person we talked to was actually a guy named Kyle Fisher, who works at an ER at a county hospital in Maryland.
3: I work at Old County Hospital, a lot of patients in need. Uh, Medicaid is huge for our patients, and I'm really concerned about both the huge cuts in the HCA and the BCRA, as well as the caps. The the cap, I think, is the unreported story. That's
2: The lifetime caps on coverage?
3: Per capita caps financing Medicaid. system in Medicaid. States aren't going to be able to handle it. And I know that my patients, uh, especially young childless adults, are going to be the first to get kicked off of Medicaid. They do a lot of violence prevention work. And before the ACA, 80% of gunshot wound victims were either uninsured or got some sort of public insurance. So I know... All of my patients are, for the most part, going to lose insurance, and that's just unacceptable.
1: One of the big arguments that proponents of cutting Medicaid make is, you know what, if people don't have insurance, this whole idea that people are going to die is so crazy because people can always go to the emergency room or they can go to a public hospital. Like, What do you think about that?
3: I don't do chemo. The emergency room, we can fix you up and we'll stitch you. If you have a heart attack, I can fix the heart attack. If you're having a stroke, if you get shot we can take care of that but if you have long-term diabetes that you need your medication taken care of if you need chemotherapy we can take care of acute things but if you don't have somewhere to go to afterwards that's not terribly helpful we've only patched things up we haven't moved on to caring for you for the rest of your time there's nothing about this bill that's helpful in any way shape or form
1: After talking to Kyle, we ran into another doctor named Kay Vandenberg from Maryland. She was a practicing OBGYN, and her husband was also a trauma surgeon in the military.
4: It's hard to start anywhere. It's all bad. Most of my patients were covered by Medicaid, and that was the only way they got prenatal care. And if you cut people off from care, they come in sicker, and it's harder to help them
1: one of the arguments that proponents of the bill make is say well even if people don't have health insurance they'll be able to go to the emergency room or go to a public hospital and you know that's what all that's for.
4: Well who pays for the public hospital? The taxpayers. I mean we pay for it one way or the other so why not do it the cheaper way and get everyone health care so that they're taken care of and can catch things early.
2: Then we met a woman named Cosette from Canton, Ohio, who had a message for her undecided Senator Rob Portman.
4: My sign has a quote from Senator Rob Portman that says, I believe we can turn the tide and I believe we can save lives. And I believe we can not just save lives of those who otherwise may overdose, but we can help all those who are addicted, the hundreds of thousands in Ohio. More than 220,000 Ohioans with addiction or mental health disorders have coverage under the ACA. And I'm asking Senator Portman to stand by his words.
1: We also ran into a few people who had some pretty powerful personal stories and reasons for coming to the rally that day.
4: My name is Moira Pahala, I'm a student from Anchorage, Alaska, and I go to the University of Alaska Anchorage. And I'm here today because I stand with Planned Parenthood. And I stand with Planned Parenthood because when I was 15, I was sexually assaulted. And coming from a small rural community in Soldotna, Alaska, I didn't have access to the health care that I needed. And I am grateful today that Planned Parenthood was two blocks away from my home to give me the health care and the tools that I need to succeed after my incident happened. I met with Senator Murkowski back in March and I just want to tell her that I am so grateful that she has publicly stated that she's going to stand in Planned Parenthood and really I just want both my senators to know that When it comes to this health care bill, I will hold them accountable if they vote the wrong way. This health care bill not only will impact Americans, but will drastically impact Alaskans. And in the midst of our financial crisis, we cannot afford to lose health care. When it comes down to it, Alaskan lives will be lost. And I hope that they really stick with their constituents on this.
3: Hey, I'm Matthew, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm here because I am alive because of Medicaid. Between 2015 and 2016, it cost $730,000 to keep me alive, In year-to-date in 2017, the total cost of my medication so far, $73,000.
4: My name's Rebecca Wood, I'm from Charlottesville, Virginia. And what's your name? <laughs> it's Charlie Wood. So why are you here? Um, Charlie was born at 26 weeks, and she has Medicaid as her secondary insurance. It's a Medicaid waiver. And if she loses it, we can't afford her services to help her grow and develop and have a typical adulthood.
2: A lot of people we talked to were just citizens who cared enough about this bill and were concerned enough about what it would mean for our health care system that they came out. But one personal story we heard was actually from a congresswoman, Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz. We met up with Congressman Schultz in the middle of the crowd
5: you know there's nothing more personal than your health if you don't have your health you don't have anything that's what my parents told me my whole life and you know you have it hit you smack in the face when like i went through when i was forty one years old i was the picture of health on one day and the next day i found a lump in my breast and was a cancer patient and suddenly you have a pre-existing condition that you know you're dealing with for the rest of your life and these evil people want to yank the rug out from under hundred and twenty nine million americans like me and millions of others who have a pre-existing condition on top of that take the ability of seniors to live in nursing homes and to be cared for in the waning years of their lives this is horrific legislation that is cruel and unacceptable
1: i noticed this morning that senator from your state marco rubio Yeah, we're, we're a big fan too. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's just the worst.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so he started saying, you know what? Florida already has a waiver. These aren't Medicaid cuts. These are just, you know, we're not going to accept the expansion. And the media's been wrong in saying that people are going to lose Medicaid. What do you say? To you know, that?
5: there's a reason why Marco Rubio refuses to basically appear in public in the state of Florida. <laughs> yeah, we know. And that's because you he he, notice he's yeah, he's, yeah, no town hall meetings. He runs find him on the when, side of a milk carton somewhere. Yeah, he's he's been actually locked out and kicked out of almost all of his district offices because there are too many protesters. Marco Rubio, it's very nice to say that on camera and to say that up here in Washington, D.C., he's not been able to look any of his constituents in the eye because we have the largest percentage of seniors of any state in the country, and 65 percent of seniors who are in a nursing home are able to be there only because of medicaid and so let's see him look the seniors in the eye in the in the state of florida and actually try to get away with that argument
1: you're not going to lose the health care you have you're going to lose the health care that you might need in the future not a good message with constituents (laughs) in florida (laughs) you know
5: (laughs) if i were him i would not be peddling that message to seniors they can see right through you and they have a lot of time on their hands (laughs) to hold your feet to the fire and they burn
1: so as the march begins We see our friend Ben Wickler jogging to the front. Ben is a friend of the pod. He's also the Washington director of MoveOn.org. And Ben has been helping organize these rallies for the last few weeks. He's been absolutely crushing it. He was part of the impromptu rally vigil that was on the uh, Capitol steps with Cory Booker and John Lewis a couple nights before. Ben's awesome. So we grabbed him for a few minutes to sort of talk about where the bill is, what people can do, how they can get involved. And uh, it was great.
6: This feels like the Super Bowl where we're in like this insane overtime that wasn't supposed to happen and no one knows what the hell is going to happen. The problem is Mitch McConnell is a lot like Tom Brady. Like this is a guy you just never really want to bet against. He's good at this game, right? And that's why we need to expand the playing this is breaking out of the sports metaphor completely. Yeah. We need to expand the playing field. This needs to go beyond the politics of this bill. The way he's going to trade for votes in the Senate is not by just adding and subtracting provisions to this bill. It's by adding in other stuff that will make or break people's political careers. So our movement, our pressure, needs to be at the level that it feels like an existential threat to people's long-term careers. There are senators that lost their uh, Senate seats four years after major votes, like the Iraq War or Obamacare. This needs to be one of those votes that people will not be able to live down two, four, or six years from now.
1: So we get a lot, of, a lot of people saying, either I live in a deep red state, and my senators are definitely you know voting for this, or I live in a deep blue state, and they're definitely voting against. so what can I do to help? So what can we tell those people?
6: So if you are lucky enough to be represented by deep red Republicans, yeah. put the fear of God in them. All these people talk. One thing that's been great over the last couple weeks is that the call volume to the swing Republican senators has exploded. We're back in the February days where people couldn't get through, voicemail boxes are full, but... That's really happened only to the swing Republican senators. We've all been so targeted, which has been amazing, but there's all these other senators that aren't having that experience right now. And some of them are like asking, really, is there that much of a big deal? So this is actually a really important time. Call Democrats and say, you are doing everything you can. You expect them to do the same. You expect them to keep up the fight. That heartens them. I am like, I've been talking to senators and Senate staff. There are a bunch of, like, senators are on fire right now. They're on the front lines. But there are some that are saying, I'm worried that it'll seem really obstructionist if we keep this up. Like, at some point, we've got to go back to business as usual. No. Like, Democrats, keep it up. They need to know they're being cheered on every time they stand up and fight. And I saw
1: you had a good idea today for uh, a lot of these senators are going home over the 4th of July recess. They're not holding town halls. What's your suggestion for people whose senator is not holding a town hall? Ah,
6: we have this gift. Independence Day. It is this epic opportunity. It is the one time when every senator has to go outside and face constituents. And here's the thing. This is a great thing in deep blue and deep red. Democrats in the deepest of deep blue states, when they show up, applaud them and go talk to them about healthcare and if you see a reporter go and tell the reporter that you care about what the senator's doing on healthcare literally major media outlets are going to blue states to see what the reaction is to democrats standing up on healthcare in the deepest red states in the Kansases of the world, I guess the pre-Brownback Kansas of the world, <laughs> booing Republicans on health care, that will show up. That will hit their radars. And like there are reporters like I just got off the phone with a reporter asking me which states to go to. Tweet out if you're going to be at a Fourth of July parade. We want to hear about it. We want to amplify it because the reaction that they get at home is the defining factor for the future of this bill. This is the most uniting bipartisan political issue of our time. Democrats, Republicans, everyone hates this bill except for billionaires. So we've got to team up and stop the billionaires from passing it. Can I tell you something disgusting? Yes. <laughs> what is disgusting to me is, like, literal actual billionaires are being used to pressure Republican senators to vote for this. They brought Steve Wynn to this meeting with Dean Heller. What? Steve Wynn, the billionaire casino magnate. They brought him to the meeting uh, to pressure Dean so Heller weird. perfectly. Like, personally. <laughs> liter- like, these are people who will make millions of dollars by throwing kids off their health care, by throwing seniors out of nursing homes. The billionaires are supposed to convince the Republicans that they have to vote for this thing. That It just makes me want to vomit. And, like, we need to show up in bigger numbers than the dollars from the billionaires show up to make sure that this thing is so toxic that they never want to touch it again.
2: We ran into another friend of the pod, Neera Tandon, who's the president of the Center for American Progress, who talked with us about the current state of play of the health care bill.
6: I guess my greatest fear is that quote unquote moderates will sell out for just, you know, pennies. But I think, you know, we're hearing enough deep anxiety about this. And truthfully, the American people know a lot about this bill, apparently more than Donald Trump, um, and don't like it. And so that's what's really going to help us. But, you know, we can't give an inch. People, like in Nevada, Heller has to hear from folks day in and day out. It can't just be like, we're safe. We're never safe with Mitch McConnell.
2: This is Pod Save America. Stick around. There's more great show coming your way.
1: Reclaim your time. Now that you can listen to four weekly ads-free episodes across Pod Save America and Pod Save the World, there's never been a better time to join Crooked's friend of the pod subscription community.
2: The marketing people say that listening ads-free saves you up to two hours of ad listening each month. Imagine the possibilities. You know what you can do with two extra hours a week? You can listen to listen two to more podcasts. Exactly. Uh, two more episodes. That's yeah. two more episodes. Yeah. Get more stuff in your brain.
1: Yeah. Get more stuff in that brain. stuff stuffing content in there like, yeah, uh, like you're a foie gras goose. Become a member today. Go to cricketcom slash friends now to learn more.
2: It's 2024. We're facing another presidential election with huge stakes. You want to help, but you don't know where your money will actually make a difference or how to figure that out. Ensure you love to take an edible and not think about it, but you can't because you do care. Let Vote Save America make it easy for you with their new anxiety relief program. Here's how it works. You set up a monthly recurring donation at the level that feels right for you, and Vote Save America will send 100% of it to the grassroots organizations and down-ballot races that need it most. Then, at the end of the month, they'll tell you where your dollars went. That's it. Set it and forget it. Vote Save America has already raised $52,000 in monthly recurring donations. Love it. That's great. From over 1,000 amazing sustaining donors who've signed up and trusted Vote Save America to make their dollar go further. But we still have a long way to go and Vote Save America needs your help to get there. Sign up at votesaveamerica.com and enjoy your edible. (laughs) Legal disclaimer, paid for by Vote Save America, votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee.
1: One thing about the rally that was surprising in a good way was how many Democratic senators we ran into who were just roaming through the crowd. So the first person we saw
0: was Democratic Senator Chris Van Hollen from Maryland, and we talked to him for a little while. No time for a victory lap. Right. We saw what happened in the House, right? First time they killed it, uh, but they brought it back to life. So right now, today in the next couple of weeks are the critical moments here, and it's really important that when... These Republican senators go home for the 4th of July. People show up at the parades and the picnics and the barbecues and tell them, stop this thing. What have you been saying? What's your quick pitch on the bill? Which part are you targeting the most? Well, my quick pitch is this is not about health care. Yeah. It is about wealth care. I mean, look, you had Warren Buffett. I'm going to say it. That's all I was looking for. You had Warren Buffett. You got Warren Buffett on uh, TV the other day just saying he's going to get a $670,000 in annual tax cut. Uh, he said we should name this the you know take care of the rich bill, yeah. and the reality is that that is what this is all about. If you go back and you look at the Paul Ryan Republican budget for the last many years, yeah. very deep cuts to Medicaid, big tax breaks for wealthy people, and that's why the core of this uh, is broken and wrong. So. They need to back away from that. We're happy to work with them on improving the exchanges. There are things we can do. They haven't shown any interest in doing that. They're more interested in hiding out behind closed doors. But we would like to do that. Do we think Donald Trump knows what's
2: in this bill? I mean, How hard do you think he's lobbying for this bill? Or is he just pushing these members off a cliff without knowing what's in it?
0: I really don't think he knows what's in it. Look, during the campaign he tweeted out, no cuts to Medicaid. And then he's supporting legislation with these gigantic cuts to Medicaid. Uh, he has a big celebration in the White House. This is great. He goes behind closed doors, calls it mean. I don't think he really knows the details of the bill. I know he's hearing from people. He's a wonk. <laughs>
5: he's, a, he's a policy <laughs> <You> know, guy. <laughs> you know,
0: he's a tweet wonk, but that's yeah. about it. And not even that. But <laughs> all right.
2: Later, we met up with Hawaii center and prolific tweeter, Brian Schatz.
7: Now Mitch is essentially using the two or three hundred billion dollars in so-called savings, which Buying is people off. and trying to buy people <laughs> off, and and we don't know if it'll work. Um, but what what we do know is that this bill gets more and more unpopular uh, the more and more time people uh, have a chance to talk about it and look at it. So we're just hoping people across the country. Uh, let their voices be heard.
2: What is it like to be elected to this institution that's known for debate and collegiality and to have the most important piece of legislation that will be written this Congress, done entirely behind closed doors, with 13 guys and some lobbyists? I mean, like, is, are people just up in arms?
7: Yeah, they are. It's gross. Uh, and, you know, part of it is... Uh, uh, that we are supposed to be the world's greatest deliberative body because we have to be. We're the place where uh, solutions have to be forged. Whatever our faults, we're the place where problems get solved if they get solved at the federal level. Uh, and there are a lot of members on both sides of the aisle that cherish their prerogatives as a member of whatever committee they've you know, worked right. so hard to get on. Right. And I'm thinking about Lamar Alexander, who did a bipartisan bill in education with Patty Murray, or Orrin Hatch, who used to do deals with Teddy Kennedy, yeah. and their gavels are essentially useless. So part of the argument that I'm making internal to the to the Senate itself is to say, you know, you, you spent 20 or 30 years becoming right. the president pro temp of the United States Senate, right. and you're the and chairman of the now people are like, finance. what's going
1: on with the bill? He's like, I don't. No, no one's telling me i'm third in line for the presidency Ah,
7: he's third in line for the presidency he he has a gavel and he's not in the room but ted cruz is
1: senator ron wyden from oregon who's been an expert on health care for years really knows this issue inside and out he was on his way out of the rally and he actually grabbed us his son is a big friend of the pod and so he stopped us and we chatted with him for a little bit about health care
0: we cannot let up even a whit over the next two weeks. Because if I was gonna predict, and I'm kinda like Yogi Bear, I don't do predictions especially <laughs> smart, about smart. the future. <laughs> we I we've all was, had a tough year for predictions. <laughs> yeah. If I was gonna predict, this bill will be back on the Senate floor two weeks from now. That's and what we've gotta do is one, derail another bad bill that hurts people, and lay the foundation a bill, for example, that holds down the costs of prescription drugs, lifts the restrictions so that Medicare can bargain to hold down the costs. Let's stop a bad bill, lay the foundation for the future.
2: You could not swing a dead cat without hitting a U.S. senator. Later, we saw a friend of the pod, Chris Murphy, right outside the Capitol. We had a great conversation about where things stand and how to keep healthcare in the headlines in these coming weeks.
8: I mean, this guy is a master tactician. McConnell is working it right now. And he's got a lot of money to buy these guys off. But at the same time, This is his worst nightmare. Like, he wanted this bill on the floor this week because he knew that this, you know, rotting fish would stink throughout the recess and it wouldn't uh, help him get votes. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to work the votes, but he didn't want this to happen. Uh, And it's important to remember that. What's your sense of
1: the level of angst among people like Capito and Murkowski? And are these statements just kind of window dressing? Do you think they're really. How gettable do you
8: think they are? I think the problem for Republicans is that they're looking at an electorate that has made up their mind about this bill. It sort of feels like the public impressions on this piece of legislation are cooked. They're only heading in one direction. So even if they can get a little payoff for West Virginia or for Alaska, in the end, still, 13 percent of Americans want this. And that's hard to bring home to your constituents. I mean, Thad Cochran released his phone calls the other day 750 against two for it right? that's mississippi and so that tells you what's happening in these offices that was mary moran that was that was a surprise that yeah but I, again if if the calls are going 700 to two against the bill in mississippi then they're probably going the same way in kansas and alabama and arkansas so you may find some weird members um, who you thought were good team members uh, starting to get cold feet you
2: could have stopped at weird members um <laughs> yeah. okay so you're McConnell. You've lived your entire life to be in power. This bill pulls at 12%. Why is he still pushing it?
8: I just think when you've been chasing the car right through the streets of your neighborhood for seven years, and then it stops, like you can't stop but latch your teeth onto it. And that's what's going on. They have created a perpetual motion machine that they can't stop even if they wanted to. And I think they're looking at what happened in Virginia. So this no-name guy who just locks in his arms with Donald Trump, almost beats the mainstream candidate. And if they don't do healthcare, then there are a whole bunch of other Corey Stuarts out there who are going to potentially score some big upsets. That's a reality for them, but it's a problem that they created. How do you feel about our ability
1: to keep this in the headlines for a week or two?
8: I'm nervous that the TV networks don't think that this gets eyeballs like Russia does in some of these other issues. And so we are going to have to create news on this. We are going to have to build crowds like this in every state to make sure that TV cameras have to turn out. I'm not sure that without us and without big numbers like we have today, that we'll keep the nation's eyes focused on this, especially because Trump is going to get up every day thinking about what new outrageous tweets he can send out, what missile strikes he can launch to try to distract folks' attention from this. I say that partially in jest.
1: Don't go anywhere. This is Pod Save America, and there's more on the way.
4: The Crooked Store's latest collection has a clear message for anyone trying to take away abortion rights. Don't. The No Trespassing collection features four different designs, each inspired by a different state where abortion is under attack. There's Stay Out of My Swamp for Florida, Stay Out of My Hole for Arizona... Stay out of my prickly pear for Texas and stay out of my strip for Nevada. But obviously I'll be wearing these no matter where I am. A portion of proceeds from the collection will go to Vote Save America's F-Bands, the Fight Back Fund, which currently is supporting abortion rights organizations across Arizona, Nevada, and Florida. Head to cricket.com slash store to shop.
2: enjoy your edible <laughs> legal disclaimer paid for by vote. Save America votesaveamerica.com, not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee.
1: We finally ended the day by visiting Colorado Senator Michael Bennett in his Senate office. Bennett was around during the fight over the affordable care act in 2009. And he had some insightful things to say, not only about healthcare, but about the state of our politics in general
9: and how it's changed over the years. It is hard to bet against Mitch McConnell. He's relentless at this stuff, and I think he's defined, unfortunately, defined a politics that i become very worried about, which is one where there are no rules, there are no customs, there are no standards, and whatever you can get away with is what you can get away with. So if you can block Merrick Garland, you block Merrick Garland. If you can blow up the nuclear option on the Supreme Court. You do that, too. And I think he will stop at nothing to pass this bill. I think that's a big mistake for the Republicans. I can't imagine how he could make the bill any farther to the right and pass it. I just don't think that's a possibility, which gives you a sense of the jam that they're in. I mean, nobody should take it for granted. And as I said earlier, nobody should bet against Mitch McConnell's ability to get something like this done. But... This bill is already so far out of the mainstream of conventional Republican political thought, much less what Democrats and independents have to say, I don't think he could possibly move it to the right. I do remember what it was like to be on the other side of this when we were passing the Affordable Care Act, and I was out doing town hall meetings in places like Lamar, Colorado, which is a... A place I treasure but not a place where I get a lot of votes and and the Affordable Care Act was deeply unpopular I mean the equivalent would have been doing a town hall meeting today in Boulder trying to support this bill so I I have a sense of what the challenges are and I think people should all across the country use this as an opportunity to make sure their voices are heard and that everybody in the Senate understands what their position is and if that happens this bill isn't going to pass. We have this Shockingly secretive closed process, and then
2: this effort to jam a bill that would impact one sixth of the American economy through in a week.
9: What does that say to you about the broader state of our politics? It goes back to what I was saying earlier that, that we've got a feeling in Washington, which is not shared in local governments and maybe even state governments, that whatever you can get away with is okay. And being completely inconsistent is okay. You'll remember, you guys will remember, how much Mitch McConnell complained about the process with respect to Obamacare. And that was a bill that had over a year of public vetting and countless hearings and Almost 200, I think, Republican amendments were adopted as part of it. And he said the American people are sick and tired of these things being jammed through in the middle of the night. And he's doing exactly the same thing here because he thinks he can get away with it. And he thinks nobody cares that a politician stands up and says the process is terrible. And then when it's on the other side, that you can just be inconsistent. I mean, I will say that was one of, I thought, one of the great virtues of Barack Obama when he was president. He was, when he was in that job... He was, in general, fairly consistent about what he said, and I think was a guy also who, if the facts changed and he had a reason to think differently about something, he would explain that change of opinion or of his mind. You don't see that in our politics today on Capitol Hill, and it it is endemic, and I think it's epidemic, it's a real problem for our politics, because when we behave that way, it degrades the institution, it degrades the people that are here, and the public's expectations of what can actually get done diminishes. And then you can't get anything done, which is fine if your position is, we're, we've all been sent here to dismantle the federal government, which is the position of some of these people. I mean, having a 9% approval rating for the Congress suits their purposes because they get to say, see how much that place sucks. Unfortunately, if you are dealing with a health care system, and I don't care whether you're a supporter of the Affordable Care Act or whether you oppose it, the reality people need to understand is that the American people's intersection with health care, not the affordable care, but health care is unacceptable to them. And what we need is Democrats and Republicans to work together to fill the gaps to make sure that people are covered at a reasonable price and that health care is predictable. That can't happen with just Republicans or Democrats. And so knowing that, what you, I think people ought to be doing here is helping to elevate the institution rather than degrade it. And there's been too much degradation of it over a long period of time. We have a long way to build back. So hope you enjoyed these conversations. Hope you keep
1: up the fight over the recess on health care. Remember, go to those 4th of July parades and bring your signs, bring your t-shirts, find your senators, find your representatives, and let them know what you think about this bill. It's really important to keep up the pressure, and, uh, and we will talk to you next week. So take care, everyone.